political power grows out of the barrel of a gun. Maybe you've heard that before. Actually, I'm sure you have. But have you heard how that begins? The way that line begins is with, every communist must grasp the truth. So, in total, every communist must grasp the truth. Political power grows out of the barrel of a gun. That famous line, taken from a speech titled Problems of War and Strategy, was given in the fall of 1938, spoken by the Honorable Chairman Mao Zedong himself. This is Andy, one-third of the Providence Leftist Radio, coming to you from Fort Bonehead. Thank you for joining me tonight. Topic today is about my favorite little red book. You might know it as Quotations of Mao Zedong. Possibly as just Mao's quotations. Maybe as the treasured little red book. They've been printed as large as posters. They've been printed as small as half dollars. They're a talisman of the Chinese communist idea. To modern Chinese citizens, it's regarded kind of as a nostalgic object. Originally designed to be a pocketbook of inspirational quotes from Chairman Mao's many orations and articles, it became a cultural phenomenon. Every piece of propaganda painted during Chairman Mao's life had a little red book in it. The little red book became a symbol of allegiance. During the Cultural Revolution, it was a uniform requirement. People were expected to quote it from memory. First printed in the spring of 1964, the Little Red Book contained only 200 quotations. That number has since grown to 427. Some notable chapters in the book, Leadership in the Party Committees, The Mass Line, The Correct Handling of Contradictions Among the People, Socialism and Communism, Classes and Class Struggle, Self-Reliance and Arduous Struggle, and revolutionary heroism. In 1966, foreign language press started exporting books beyond the borders of China. A year later, 1967, over a hundred different nations had either received or had started printing their own copies of Mao's quotations. Between the vinyl red covers, you might recognize many quotations and phrases, one of them of which, all reactionaries are paper tigers. In appearance, the reactionaries are terrifying, but in reality, they are not so powerful. From a long-term point of view, it is not the reactionaries, but the people who are powerful. Here's another one, also in tweet form. A revolution is not a dinner party or writing an essay, or painting a picture, or doing embroidery. It cannot be so refined, so leisurely and gentle, so temperate, kind, courteous, restrained, and magnanimous. A revolution is an insurrection, an act of violence in which one class overthrows another. The treasured little red book not only reads as a list of inspirational adages, but also has a revolutionary manual a guerrilla handbook of sorts. This is what you'd carry in a trench, to read before an ambush, to keep you warm by candlelight among the trees, 
a companion to rest with when you're camped in a mountain, a geyser of spirit, duty, and direction. It also contained the outlines of what would later become known as Marxist-Leninist-Maoist thought, which you may shorten to just Maoist thought. Let it be known this is not the same as Mao Zedong thought. There are nuanced differences, the main one being the rejection of the three-world theory, which is beyond the scope of this episode. The core tenets of Maoism that are found in the Little Red Book are New Democracy, The Mass Line, The Law of Contradiction, Protracted People's War, and The Cultural Revolution. I do plan on doing an episode on Maoist thought at a later time, possibly with a member of a modern Maoist organization. Speaking of Maoist organizations, you'd be interested to hear they didn't just come into existence until the sun of Chairman Mao's life had already been set. The first Maoist organization is recognized as the Shining Path from Peru. Since then, there have been Maoist parties in Australia, Belgium, Ecuador, Iran, Palestine, the Philippines, Portugal, Spain, Sweden, Turkey, the United Kingdom, and many others. There are active parties in Afghanistan and India, and also there's a Maoist organization active right now in the United States. They are the Revolutionary Communist Party. Since coming to be in this country, they've rebranded themselves as following a new communism though they are sometimes still referred to as Maoists. By far the most famous American organization that was Maoist is none other than the legendary Black Panthers Party. Yes, the Black Panthers. That's right. Through the Little Red Book, they not only gained their material wealth to get their start, but through this powerful text, they drew their revolutionary spirit and a formidable portion of their core ideology. So tell me, Andy. How did the Black Panthers, an organization started by two black students in Oakland, California, come to use the words of a Chinese communist leader to their benefit and the creation of a revolutionary organization? Remember when I said that the Chinese foreign language press started their export of the Little Red Book in 1966? That's when the Panthers got a hold of it. Huey P. Newton, Bobby Seale, decided on starting community protection programs by shadowing police officers during their patrols and protecting the rights of black and brown citizens by showing up with guns and intimidating the fuck out of the cops. This gained them support the local population and also gave them access to a potential pool of new recruits. But first, they needed transportation. They needed funds. They needed guns. One day, they stumbled upon an idea go to the Chinese district, and buy these little red books for dimes, go to Berkeley, sell them to students for dollars. They would also sell the books to friends and to family. They'd sell them on street corners, they'd sell them outside restaurants. The books started to appear everywhere. The little red book was instrumental to the birth of the Black Panther Party. That's not where it ended been reported that Bobby Seale would tell new recruits to keep the book on them at all times and read it and internalize it and to grasp the revolutionary principles. Huey P. Newton would go line by line with Panthers, tell them to replace the words Chinese people with black people, 
and the Chinese Communist Party with the Black Panther Party. Additionally, it's been said that the connection that was felt to the Chinese people was much stronger by the Panthers than they felt to other leftist organizations. In the history of Marxism, you encounter people from England and from Germany and from Russia. People that were mainly seen as white. The Social Democratic Party of Germany, the Bolsheviks of Russia. They were able to generate a stronger connection to texts by Mao Zedong, Che Guevara, and Cuban revolutionaries, along with additional readings by Frantz Fanon, and they felt that capital, while instructive, did not give them the necessary tools to disassemble the racist structure in America. Eldridge Cleaver said, Comrade Mao Zedong applied the classical principles of Marxism-Leninism to the conditions of their own countries and thereby made the ideology into something useful for the people, but they rejected the part of the analysis that was not beneficial to them and had only to do with the welfare of Europe. Let's look at this one statement from On Protracted War from May 1938. The seizure of power by armed force, the settlement of the issue by war, is the central task and the highest form of revolution. This Marxist-Leninist principle of revolution holds well universally for China and for all other countries. Eventually, Huey P. Newton would even travel to China to meet Chairman Mao. Apparently, he was even offered asylum there, but Huey P. Newton refused as he could not abandon his people in America. The Little Red Book, that treasured Little Red Book. It could be as small as a cat's paw, but it left impressions the size of the widest canyons. I recommend you buy a Little Red Book of your own. I have two of them. One was printed in 1972, the other is a modern version from Radical Reprints. You can find Radical Reprints on Instagram, and Mao's quotations by them will cost you $5. Of course, you can also use their website to view the book for free in PDF form. However, I think with its historical quality, the inexpensive price, along with its inspirational value, that you should buy your own. Keep it on your bookshelf. Maybe put it in your jacket pocket. Maybe put it in the glove box of your car. And I would definitely recommend putting it on your coffee table whenever your landlord decides to do a walkthrough. And as Chairman Mao once said, the people and the people alone are the motive force in the making of world history. <laughs>